Amen. God is good. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Word of God and, uh, Father, how it impacts us so deeply and so greatly. Uh, thank you for your personal relationship with us, uh, an amazing, mighty, magnificent God uh, who chooses to have relationship with me. Um, Father, we're grateful for that. Father, pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts today through your word. Uh, pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross, and, and Father, that as your word goes forth, that people would see and hear from you. So we surrender this time to your Holy Spirit and ask that you would guide and lead us. Open our hearts and minds to hear and to see you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So um, if you take a look at uh, that uh, picture up there, Hebrews 12 is not actually where we're coming from. It's actually Hebrews 11. So I apologize for that typo, uh, but we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Uh, Hebrews 11, 23 through 27. I'm going to be reading that, so if you want to read along in your own personal copy, whether it's on your phone electronically or um, a hard copy that you have with you, uh, feel free to read along silently. Uh, Hebrews 11, 23 and following. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and obeying of his word. Uh, so today, uh, the, the sermon title is 2022 by faith, by faith. So we're going to take on this year by faith. Uh, sort of the thing that I want you to walk away with as a result of hearing this message today is that because of your confidence in the invisible God, because of your confidence in our God, um, you're going to take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility for my personal development and growth, for the glory of God, and for the building of his kingdom. Uh, not so that I can feel better about myself, not so that I can quote more scripture to other people, um, but so that I can glorify God and build his kingdom. See, this is what God is about. He's about building his kingdom. And the way God builds his kingdom is through his church, you and me and us. So individually, he's building his church, building his kingdom through you individually through your life, in your life. But then collectively, he's building his kingdom through us as we operate together. And so what we want to do is partner with God in getting this done. I recognize that we're all coming to this from some direction, from some position, from some place. And last night, uh, my wife and I took a, a walk along the beach. And uh, when we started, it was you know, late in the afternoon, around 4, 35 o'clock or something like that. And as we began to walk along the beach, we could see out across the, across the, the waters, we could see some lights, 
and uh, just kind of amazed at that. And we're walking along the beach, and then we look back out, and there are no more lights. Uh, the fog was beginning to roll in. And we continued to walk, and uh, as we looked out over the waters, the waters began to disappear because the fog, of course, is rolling in. Um, and then we walk even further down the beach, and now we can't even see any water. All we see is the beach that's in front of us because the fog is beginning to cover us. And, and, and we decide we better head back in the other direction. <laughs> so we turn around, and by the time we get back uh, to where our hotel is, we're surrounded by fog, and we can barely see the hotel, which is, you know, 100 yards away from us. Um, and I was thinking to myself in that moment, that this is what it's like to be in God's will. Just covered up by God, so much so that I can't see what I'm doing or what I want. I can only know what he's placed in front of me. How awesome would it be to live life that we're so confident in God, that we're trusting what he says and what he instructs and how he directs instead of trusting my own ability to figure out the direction. And I believe that this, this is what God is calling us to, and it's my prayer that as we talk about Moses and his experience, that we'll see ourselves just a little bit in here about how we can trust God and live a life of faith in 2022. So as we enter into this new season, this new year, we want to make some commitments, and there are four that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one being, by faith, I'm going to know who I am in Christ. By faith, I want to know who I am in Christ. Hebrews 11, verse 24, the scripture reads this way, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, Moses knew something about himself. He knew that he was more than just the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He knew that there was a greater call on his life than just representing Pharaoh. He didn't want to take on all of the wonderful things that come with being the Pharaoh's son, the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He knew that there was a greater thing happening with the people of Israel, his people, the people that God was calling him to lead. Jesus also knew who he was. In John chapter 8, verses 12 through 24, Jesus says this, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharaoh said, I mean, so the Pharisees <laughs> said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered them, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Jesus knew who he was. And in the same way that Moses knew who he was and Jesus knew who he was, we must understand who we are in Christ. So I want to point out five ways in which we can kind of get a better idea of who we are in Christ as we enter into this new year. Number one, the first thing we can do, we can revisit our personal testimony. Take some time to look at our personal testimony again. 
What is it that brought me to faith? How did I come to faith? Remember when you first came to know Jesus? There was something that drew you to him. And there was a reason that you said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And I think if we revisit that and take a look at that again, we can look at it with fresh eyes. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter when you came to know Christ. You can remember what that experience was, no matter how far back you got to look. <laughs> now, now, for some of you, you were born in the nursery, and all you've known is church. <laughs> but I want you to know that you weren't born into Christ. That's a decision that has to be made. So you, you, you grew up coming to church. You were doing what your parents asked you to do. Uh, your, your, your youth pastor, your children's pastor, you were doing what they asked you to do. You were following what you were supposed to follow. You were obeying what you were supposed to obey. Now, I'm not saying that, your, that, that the faith commitment that you made at eight doesn't count. What I'm saying to you is that at some point in your life, you said yes to Jesus. You said, I want to follow Christ for myself. You made a decision. And that's when that faith journey truly began. You were being cultivated and prepared and developed along the way. But at some point, whether it was 8, 18, 28, 48, or 58, you had to have made a decision that Jesus was the one you were going to follow. And when we made that decision, Jesus became our identity. And so we're no longer identified by how he or she or they perceive me, but by who I am in Christ. And the more we know who we are in Christ, the more confident we can walk in our faith. So number one, revisit your personal testimony. Number two, discovering your spiritual gifts and personality afresh. Now, here's the deal. Personality gifts, spiritual gifts, sometimes we take those assessments and we say, hey, this is what I am. But, but here's the deal. I have a mentor. If you were to ask him what's your spiritual gift, he would say all of them. Because in truth, the Spirit of God is able to cause us to operate in any gift he wants us to operate in at any time as he chooses. So we need to have that in mind. But we have a tendency to operate in certain ways, a tendency to be hospitable, a tendency to be evangelical or to be evangelistic, a tendency to be uh, prophetic, a tendency to be apostolic, to get things started and begin new things. We have a tendency to operate in a certain way. And understanding these things about ourselves helps us to recognize the activity of God. So, so we know that if God is saying, hey, I want you to go over here and I want you to build new churches. Well, if you have an apostolic gift, you say, well, that might be God speaking to me. But if you have an apostolic gift and God says, hey, I want, we want to send you over here and you're going to physically construct new churches. <laughs> you might say, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> so you might think twice about that. But how God has designed us, how God has created us, helps us to be able to recognize when God is at work in our lives. And so we want to revisit some of these things so that we can have a better idea of who we are in Christ and what kinds of things we can expect from God as we walk forward. Another thing, number three, talking with a friend who will be honest with you about how they perceive you. Now, of course, we're not dependent on their perception of us. But when we have close relationships with people who love us, 
they can say things to us that others cannot. They can say to us, that's stupid. <laughs> they can say to us, are you sure about that? They can say to us, hold up, time out, let's pray about this. We need that level of accountability in our lives. We need all the levels of accountability in our lives. Did you know that coming to church is a level of accountability? Because we get ourselves together to come to church. We assess what we're thinking, how we're operating, what we're doing before we even get in the car. Sometimes we get ourselves together, we get in the car, we have an argument. But before we get out of the argument, we agree that we're going to be okay <laughs> while we're at church. There's a level of accountability in just coming to church. There's a level of accountability in just having people that you say hello to. It causes us to think. It causes us to pay attention to who we are, where I am, and what I'm supposed to be doing. So when we have these relationships with people who can actually ask us challenging questions, we want to engage those, those relationships. And I would strongly encourage you to identify an accountability partner. I have some accountability partners. Wow. Over 20 years? Wow. Um, one is in California. No, two are, two are in California. Uh, one is in, two are in Birmingham. And we're from all over the place. But anyway, I digress. Uh, number four, <laughs> spending concentrated time in prayer with God. Spending concentrated, intentional, planned out time in prayer. Just seeking the face of God in prayer. How often have we decided, you know what? I need a spa day. I'm going to go get a massage. I'm going to go get my feet done. I'm going to go get my hands done. I'm going to go get my hair done. How many times have we said, you know what? I need a golf day. I'm going to go hit the links. How many times have we said, you know what? We just need to go to the beach. Forget everything. We're going to the beach on this day at this time. How many times have we said, you know what we need? We need to just go to dinner. Nobody's cooking. Nobody's, we're going to go to dinner. We make these decisions because it's something that we think we need. I'm going to start getting up every morning. I'm going to run. I'm going to run three miles every day. We make these commitments to ourselves for psychological health, for physical health. Well, we also need to make these types of commitments for our spiritual health. That I'm going to set aside some time and I'm going to spend some time in prayer for an hour, for 45 minutes, for 30 minutes. I'm going to pray because it's vital to my spiritual health. And if you're not sure how to do that, go online and do a search. How to pray for an hour. If you're not sure about what you find online, talk with Pastor Rob, because <laughs> there's some weird stuff out there. So make sure that you get some good stuff <laughs> about how to pray for an hour, right? But we've got we've to put this in our lives intentionally and purposefully. And when we neglect that, when we leave it out, that's a huge part of our spiritual lives that we're neglecting. Talking with God is vital to your spiritual growth. So we got to make time for it. And then finally, spending time in the Word. Now, I'm sure that many of you, hey, I do that already. In the morning, I get up and I read my three verses. I want to challenge you that sometimes we need to take time out to read large swaths of the Scriptures. Sometimes we need to take time to read 10 chapters of Scripture. Just sit down and read through an entire story. Let God speak to us however he chooses to. Let God paint the picture that he wants to paint. 
Here's the deal. I don't know how many hours of movies and shows I have watched over this past week. But as a family, we decided, well, every year, we buy a bunch of junk food. You can tell I like junk food. And, <laughs> and we sit down in front of the television and we watch movies until the new year. Well, what if we took some time and said, I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to read the entire book of Hebrews in one sitting. I'm going to read the entire book of James in one sitting. I'm going to read the entire book of 2 Samuel in one sitting. And just watch God unfold the stories of these people's lives, an entire movie that God has written and produced for us to read. We have to take these kinds of moments and set them aside and engage with God in these ways. And when we do this, we can live this life by faith. Because it's faith in him. It's faith in what he has done. It's faith in what God has promised. So let's do that this year. Let's know who we are in Christ by spending time with God and discovering who we truly are. I've been going through a process working on my doctoral uh, thesis or, or paper, and and one of the things that I'm finding is that this project that I was so excited about is no longer my project. What happens is you, you submit this thing and they say, yes, do that project. And you, you begin to write. And then you submit it to your mentor or you submit it to the people that you have to submit it to so they can read it. And then they come back to you and they tell you, hey, listen, we need you to change this and we need you to shift this. And it's, it's like, okay, wait a minute. This, that's not what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to communicate. But, but it's no longer my writing because now I'm writing for the audience that I'm writing for because I want to complete the project. And in order to complete it, I have to complete it based on what they determine is completion. How many of us live our lives writing our story based on how other people want us to complete it? We need to let God tell us how to write his story on our hearts. That's one of my favorite songs, as a matter of fact. But anyway, let's focus on the Lord this year and what he has for us and what he wants for us. The second thing that we can do to walk by faith in 2022 is take responsibility for my life. Take responsibility for my life. In Hebrews uh, 11, verse 25, the scriptures read this way, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Focusing on the term chose. Moses chose. He took responsibility for his life. He made decisions for his life. And we know that Moses struggled. First of all, he struggled with even accepting the job that God gave him to lead the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt. But we also see that Moses had a hard time staying focused because he got caught up in his flesh. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 Here's how we see Moses operating. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to see his people. 
and he looked on their burdens. He saw how they were being treated. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Verse 12, he looked this way and that way. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses was moved by his passion, his fleshly passion from within. And as a result of seeing this atrocity, he responded with the same violence that he had seen. He didn't make things better. He just added to the problem. Sometimes we're moved by our passion and we act passionately. But what we want to do this year is not move based on our passion, but moved based on his passion. What is God passionate about? What would God have us do? How would God have us respond? Remember those little bracelets? WWJD, what would Jesus do? We don't want to just respond to what we're seeing. We don't want to just respond emotionally to the things that we hear and the things that we see. Moses allowed his passion to cause him to take the life of another. You see, the scriptures tell us that we can take people's lives as well, even with a word. And we've seen this. We've seen how words can destroy lives online and on the news. We've seen how families can be destroyed because of words, because of passionate words that are not guided by the Spirit of God that are simply moved by our flesh. We've seen what happens when the passions of our heart aggressively go after people that we disagree with. We've seen what it's done to our country. And how for the holidays we can't even get together with our families because we're so angry and so passionate about the things that we feel. We know that the Spirit of God isn't motivating that because he's not a God of confusion, and he's not a God of destruction. He's a God of redemption. And God is calling us to this point of redemption, where we can redeem and be redeemed. And in a country that is torn apart because of the passions of our flesh, how awesome would it be if they could look to the church and see how to do it right, to see how to have conversations, to see how to disagree, what if they could look to the church and see Matthew 18 in action? When you've offended someone or someone has offended you, go to that brother and make it right. And if you can't make it right, go and get somebody and bring that person with you. And the three of you make it right and work through it. And if they reject you, then go to the church and let the church, let the elders come. Because what God wants is right relationship. He wants us to reconcile. He doesn't want us separated. He doesn't want relationships torn. Now, now, here's the deal. We can mend relationships, but not continue to walk together. That makes sense. But to just say, I'm done with you, and never even attempt to mend the relationship, that's not what God is calling us to. And so in 2022, we want to see God use us 
to build us up and to develop us and make us whole. And one of the ways that we do that is through this idea of accountability. As we talked about earlier, we need these levels of accountability that help us to think about what I'm saying and what's motivating what I'm saying. We need this. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we can say whatever we want to say. It's a free country, right? We got our First Amendment rights. We can say the things we need to say. But if those things tear down, kill, and destroy, should we say them? I think it was Paul who says, I can do all things, but should I do all things? So in this next year, we want to give some consideration to what we should be doing. We want to pay attention to how the Lord wants to use us, because it may be that God wants you for the very thing that you feel is missing in this church. Maybe there's something in this church that you feel like, man, if we just had this, well, maybe God is increasing the passion in you to get that done. That was extra. That wasn't in the message. But anyway. <laughs> no charge. <laughs> Number three, by faith, I'm going to know my priorities. By faith, I'm going to know my priorities. Look at, look at Moses. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, uh, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He understood his priorities. He understood that his priority was not whether people were angry with him or whether people loved him. Now, the truth of the matter is Moses has some issues with this people. He wanted people to like him and be okay with him. But he understood that being rejected by this group of people would be better than ignoring the people of God. He understood what his priorities were, were, and he focused on those priorities. Moses identified three priorities. One of those priorities was fulfilling God's purpose. He believed that fulfilling God's purpose was more important than being popular. And I want you to know that that's true for you as well. Fulfilling the purposes of God is more important than your being popular. Number two, loving God's people is more important than pleasure for myself. Loving God's people, is, it's, it's better to put others first, and I am third. Jesus first, others second, I am third. And so we, we need to think like God wants us to think, and we need to seek to fulfill his purpose. We need to seek to love his people, and then finally we need to have God's, to desire God's peace more than we desire possessions. Desire God's peace more than we desire possessions. Now, this idea of peace is something that you might want to do some research on. What is peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace exists even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of confusion. Last night on the beach, when I couldn't see where I was going, there was peace. And what an amazing peace it was to be in the center of all this fog, hardly able to see where my next step is going to be. But it was phenomenal to hear the sound of the ocean 
and to know that God is present with me. How often have we been in the very center of God's will and so afraid that we were unable to recognize his peace? And we want to be in that place in 2022 where no matter what's going on around us, we are confident that we're in the center of God's will and we can experience his peace. If you want to do some more research on priorities, I've su suggested uh, three books. Uh, one of them is Tyranny of the Urgent by Charles Hummel. Uh, this has been something that I've read a thousand times, but it's been really good for me to read through. The second thing was I Didn't See It Coming uh, by Carrie Newhoff. This was all about him out overworking himself, but in it, there are these ideas of things that he just overlooked that he should have made priorities in his life that he didn't. And as a result, he wore himself out and his marriage was challenged as a result of that. Great read. And the other is The Next Right Thing by Emily Freeman. She did a really good job of just helping, helping you to think that we don't need to figure out all of it. Sometimes we just need to do the next right thing. Don't try to figure out the whole picture. Don't try to eat the whole apple. Just take the next bite. So hopefully those would be beneficial for you. Finally, as we move into our last segment here, the fourth thing that I want us to uh, consider here is that by faith, we focus on the kingdom. By faith, we focus on the kingdom. Here's what we see in Moses in verse 27. By faith... He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses was focused on honoring God and building his kingdom. He wanted to obey what God was instructing him to do. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 tell us to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And when we focus on honoring God, then we can guide and direct our thoughts in a way that bring him honor and glory. I once read of a guy who, who said that our minds are sort of like an airport and thoughts are like airplanes that want to land in our airport. And we have the responsibility of denying or allowing these thoughts to land at our airport. And he said, understand that for every plane you allow to land, all of the passengers and all of the luggage that come with that thought will deplane and fill up your airport. And so we need to give thought to that, that when we have these thoughts that float through, we need to determine, Lord, Help me to deny that thought because we really don't know what's going to get off that plane. We don't know what luggage they have underneath the plane itself. So we want to be led by the Spirit of God. We want to be led by the Lord himself as we seek to say yes and as we seek to say no. And we want to let our no be no and our yes be yes. But not so that we can protect ourselves, but so that we can build the kingdom of God. And if our focus is building the kingdom of God, we're going to be protecting ourselves because our confidence is not in us, but in the Lord. Finally, 
I think it's important that we keep this in mind. In order to build the kingdom, disciples must be made. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the e- even to the end of the age. Jesus tells his disciples to make disciples. Jesus doesn't say make converts. Jesus doesn't say make churchgoers. Jesus doesn't say make small group attenders. Jesus says make disciples. Here's the deal. When Jesus talks about making disciples, he's talking about making a person who's capable of making a disciple. So the whole idea behind disciple making is this. A disciple makes a disciple that is capable of making a disciple that is capable of making a disciple that is capable of making a disciple who is in turn capable of making a disciple. It's just a continuous line of disciples being made. I'm not a disciple because I show up at church and because I go to a small group and because I participated in the event and because I went through that class and because I did this study or that study. That's, that's not what makes you a disciple. Disciples make disciples. Disciples invite people to be a part of the body of Christ. Disciples invite people to walk with them. Disciples walk with others. And in the process of learning, developing, and growing through the Word of God and in relationship, we bring others into that process. Discipleship is never-ending. It's the song that doesn't end. And it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because it's the song that doesn't end. And it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it, they didn't even know what it was. And they'll just keep on singing it forever just because it's the song that doesn't end. And it goes on and on, my friend. (laughs) I can keep going, you know. And here's the deal, guys. We should get sick of the song. (laughs) Another person has come to Christ and is growing in their faith, and look at them. They've led someone to Christ, and they're helping someone grow in their faith, and look at that person that they led to Christ. Those people are leading people to Christ and helping them grow in their faith, and look at this. Those people that led people to Christ are leading people to Christ that led people to Christ. And and, and that's how it's supposed to, and, and, and again, you just heard me say leading people to Christ, leading people to Christ, because our tendency is to think we got to get converts, converts, but that's not, we're helping people grow in their confidence in Christ, grow in their ability to trust God, grow in their confidence to do what God says to do instead of what the world says to do. Confidence to operate according to the passions of God and not the passions of my flesh. Here's the deal. Via the passion of my flesh, I could preach the gospel to 25 people and I'll probably get two converts. That's Derek Jackson operating in his flesh. But if the Spirit of God is leading us, we'll share our stories, we'll share our testimonies, we'll share our life, and we'll invite people to walk with us as we learn and develop and grow in faith. And those people might come to church with us and meet someone else who's better suited to walk with them in discipleship. 
It's not about us. It's about his kingdom and his development of this kingdom. It's not about building this the kingdom, this our kingdom on this block. It's about growing his kingdom in the cosmos, in the world. We want to see everyone come to faith in Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, creating a desire to do his work for his pleasure. Now the ESV version says, For it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. But so that we clearly understand what God is communicating to us. God is creating desires within us so that he can get the things done he wants done through us. So this passion that you have for prayer, God isn't giving you that passion so you can tell the pastor that he's not doing enough about prayer. He's giving you that passion so that you will do something about prayer. God isn't creating a passion within you so that you can tell the pastor, hey, why don't we do some more stuff down the street? He's creating that passion in you so that you will do some more stuff down the street. And together, as a community, we begin to impact this community in ways that we couldn't do it alone. You see, here's the deal. We want to see in this year us operating according to our faith, our confidence in the invisible God so that we can glorify him and fulfill his purposes for building the kingdom. So by faith in 2022, I will know who I am in Christ. I will take responsibility for my life. I will know my priorities and I will focus on building his kingdom. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you so much for OBC. Thank you for the work that you're doing here. Thank you for the individuals who call Osterville Baptist Church home. Thank you for how you're leading and guiding this congregation to reach out to this community. Thank you for how you're utilizing each one of the individuals who call this place home. Thank you for how you're using them in their personal lives, in their work lives, in their social lives, to be a witness for your glory. Thank you for the personal testimonies that we each have and how we can tell people about our journey to faith. That cannot be disputed. We thank you that when we talk about what we experience, no one can tell us that it didn't happen. And we thank you that we can back up all of the things that we've experienced in our lives with the word of God. Would you guide us and help us to bring you glory in all that we do by faith in 2022? Amen.